Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Wim Lu. This episode, along with every episode, this season is brought to you by KFC. So I'm recapping the Toronto Raptors 121 to 110 overtime loss to the Miami Heat and um I mean first off like losses are going to happen you know they're not going to go 15 and 4 all season uh the Heat are a very very good team they were just a half game behind the Raptors before this game and now they're ahead of the Raptors they're a very competent team they came in played a great game plan and um really took the Raptors out of their their strategies and uh so you got to tip your hat to well I mean especially Eric Spolstra of all people really uh, he's uh, definitely one of the best coaches in the NBA. I- I've already said that, you know, Nick Nurse is one of the contenders for Coach of the Year, but if it's not him, it should go to someone like Eric Spolstra or, or maybe even Brad Stevens, but especially Spolstra. Like, he's just – he's got this team really well coached and really well prepared, and um, it's almost similar to the Raptors in a way where the talent doesn't necessarily explain the whole of the results. Really, um, you know, the coaching really does – make a big difference in this game and i'll explain that in a second but you know going back to this game look i I think people are upset people are sad it's definitely frustrating to play the heat Uh, it was frustrating to play the heat last year like if the raptors didn't hit that game winner uh on the road they might have lost that game uh you know the heat are just a very tough team and they added jimmy butler they lost hassan whiteside i really do miss the days when hassan whiteside used to play for this team uh and you know it's just it's a tough 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 team to play and, of course, losing in overtime is going to have people raw. But I, I think ultimately what is making people upset, I think, is actually kind of rational in the sense that, you know, this is just a frustrating game, period. Like, when you have Kyle Lowry coming back from injury, and it's great that Kyle Lowry is back, but the, the man shot 2 of 18 from the field, including all of 11 from 3. Now, granted, some of those 11 uh, three-point attempts that he missed, I mean, some of those are just heaves in, the, in overtimes and whatever. Sometimes you're down by eight points. You know, you just need to check up some threes, apparently. And they weren't great shots. Uh, but overall, like, I, I just, you know, I, when you see a guy shoot o, or two of 18 from the field and over 11 from three, people are going to be upset. And, of course, when you see Pascal Siakam shrink from the spotlight in a game where it really demanded that he would go toe-to-toe with someone like Jimmy Butler, and that just never happened. Uh, I think that actually is the more frustrating thing to watch because, at least with Kyle, you understand that he's – uh, rusty, you understand that um, it's his first game back. He's got a fracture in his hand. I'm pretty sure the fracture isn't fully healed. He kind of said at practice um, on on Monday that, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the fracture is still there in his hand. So uh, I don't know if you can fully expect him to be uh, lights out from the field. It would be a little strange. Um, so at least that's understandable. That's under- And it's, un- it's out of rhythm, and I'll explain how Kyle sort of put the rest of the team uh out of rhythm in, in this you know in, in a bit but really really the thing that that is frustrating is that, that pascal siakam shrink from the spotlight and you know i'm not saying that this 
this is a pattern, and I really hope it doesn't become a pattern. Um, I think Pascal has stepped up in big games before. We've literally seen him put up 26 in uh, 10 or 12 in Game 6 of the Finals and 32 points in the, in the Finals. And he's had big games before. He's had big games this season uh, against tough teams. So I, I, I don't think it's fair to say that uh, it's a pattern. But, I mean, like today, he definitely didn't play with the type of – assertiveness and importance that a game like this demanded like you know when you have on one end jimmy butler giving you eight straight points to start overtime to basically call and seal the game when you see butler score eight straight points over and overtime and the fact that butler finishes with 22 points 13 rebounds and 12 assists meanwhile you got on the other end pascal siakam he wasn't even involved in the offense really like early in the game pascal got a couple of jumpers you know, that he has space to shoot. I mean, he's always got space to shoot. He, he, teams are going to play him to, you know, drive because they know he's dangerous there. But, I mean, like, okay, so he missed some jumpers at the beginning. Some of them were jumpers where it, it was honestly – some of those were jumpers where he just didn't want to attack Bam Adebayo. It didn't really seem like he was assertive and d- definitely didn't want to uh, go at that matchup with Bam. And it just felt like he never got into a rhythm and he never really wanted to get back into the game. I mean, it got to the point where in the fourth quarter, there's a play where Pascal had, I believe, uh, Kelly Olenek on him. And in most situations, you would just expect Pascal to demand the ball, put his hand up, get into post position, you know, call for his point guards to get the, the ball in the post and for him to just attack, for him to just attack that matchup because it's a mismatch. Straight up, it's a mismatch. But he just didn't. Like, he literally just, st- like, let the play go on. And he just waited in the corner and spaced and didn't want to be involved. And, that- and that's what you don't want to see from your leading guy. Like, no matter how bad of a game you're having, like, look at Kyle. E- even a game where he's shooting 2 of 18, he's still at least trying to get his offense in there. He's still trying to make something happen. And most of the times, l- let's be honest, Kyle wasn't making anything happen. I- I- he was missing a lot of shots tonight. But at the same time, the desire, the drive was there. And with Pascal, it just didn't really feel that way. It, it it felt like he saw a really tough matchup. And it's not tougher than, like, something he hasn't seen before. Like, it's not tougher than Joel Embiid in the playoffs or Giannis or even Jonathan Isaac. I feel like Bam is not necessarily – well, maybe he's on par with Jonathan Isaac. But, I mean, still, like, it's not, like, an impossible, impossible – it's not even Draymond. You know what I mean? Like, And, and Pascal did a lot of things to Draymond in the finals. So – I don't know. Maybe it was an off night. Maybe he just wasn't feeling it. I don't understand. But realistically, you cannot expect to win a game like this against a very, very good team in the Heat when your best guy, when your leading man, just shrinks from the role. He just can't. He can't shrink. Like, and, and, you know, that's something that I don't know if Pascal has to learn or the mentality that he's got to get into. But, like, literally, you're having a bad night. It doesn't matter. You still got to be involved. You has got to create for others. And really, down the stretch, you, there are there were no signs of Pascal. There were no signs. There's like occasional transition baskets, but really the guys who had it going late in the game, you know, Serge Ibaka you know, created a couple things uh, to start the fourth quarter there, and then Norman Powell really stepped up, and he actually got the, a chance to close out the game, and he hit some two big threes that uh, almost allowed the Raptors to steal this game in regulation, but, you know, Pascal wasn't there. And the one time Pascal did get the ball, where the Raptors identified they had a mismatch on him. He had uh, Derek Jones Jr. on him, who's very skinny. He's long, but, you know, he's skinny. And Pascal did go to work, try to post him up. He saw help at the rim, kind of got smothered. I, I 
I'm here at the arena, so I didn't get to see a replay of that. I don't know if people at home saw a replay of the play and, and whether or not there was a foul on the play. It looked to me like there was contact, but also at the same time, you know, it looked to me like just good defense and Pascal just spinning into traffic and uh, not being able to get the shot off. And really, I don't want to even complain about the referees when the Raptors shot 36 free throws and Miami shot 21. Like, I don't know, man. How much more help could you possibly really expect realistically? You know what I mean? So... I just thought Pascal wasn't involved. And when you look at the final box score, 5 of 14 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3. He got 12 rebounds. That's nice. And it is nice. Like, Miami did have a um, present a problem in terms of their offensive rebounding. You know, Jimmy Butler crashing in there for a couple of rebounds and putbacks. Adebayo, you know, creating some second chance opportunities. Winslow and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, Pascal did at least contribute on the defensive glass. That's big. But also only one assist. And... You know, he played 39 minutes, 14 field goals, and only one assist against two turnovers. That's just not going to cut it. That's straight up not going to cut it. And Pascal just has to be better. He needs to find a way to stay involved. And it's a little harder when, when you know, you're not necessarily uh, a pure wing player in that way where you have to, like, create your offense uh, and have some of it created for you. And I don't think the Raptors, you know, just in terms of their execution offensively, it wasn't smooth all around. And that, that speaks more to Kyle, which I'll talk about in, in just a second. But, you know it's just ultimately you're the leading guy. It falls down to you. And if you score 15 points in 39 minutes on five of 14 shooting and only have one assist, Raptors aren't going to win most of those games, especially not against elite teams. And at the heat are borderline elite. I would say they're 15 and five. Okay. But, uh, you know, still like even against these really good teams, Pascal can't be this quiet. So that, that was disappointing. Kyle, obviously coming back from injury. That was disappointing. You know, whatever you expect him to be out of rhythm. Uh, two of 18 is bad. The one thing with Kyle is that at least he still made plays happen. Like, he had 11 assists, although that's part of a reflection of him having the ball a lot. Like, I think the Heat really did try to encourage Kyle to just, just like, attack. They didn't really make a point of shutting down Kyle in the way they did with Fred. You know, they, they put bigger defenders on him at times. But uh, for the most part, you know, Kyle's able to at least turn the corner, at least tr- have an attempt to make something happen. A lot of those shots didn't fall. Um, but, you know, Kyle, you got to give him credit. Like, he still has 11 assists. He still gets the free throw line eight times. Some of those, I got to say, were quite generous that he got free throws on. But, hey, you know, when you're an NBA champion and a five-time All-Star uh, and it's your home court, you you should get some respect. And uh, he definitely got that. And he got some rebounds. He took a charge late. You know, got a steal, got a block, whatever. Like, Kyle Lowry's going to be involved in 41 minutes. We know that. Having said that, uh, the issue with Kyle in this game, really, for me, was that, like, Okay, he was rusty, but it felt very much like he was going to force the issue no matter what happened. And I know that's like a little hypocritical to like, you know, criticize Pascal for not being uh, involved enough and, and, and shine from the moment and then knocking Kyle for being too aggressive. But at the same time, as a point guard, if you're going to basically make these daredevil plays and sort of um, force things to happen and it doesn't work, usually your transition defense is compromised, you're going the other way, and uh, it's it's – I don't know. It's just a tough look. It, it, it's just a tough look when you shoot two of 18. It just is. A lot of times, Kyle's barreling the traffic, getting blocked. You know, I just didn't really have a plan there. And and really, honestly, it, it wasn't even so much of the way Kyle executed. Because we know Kyle's a gambler. Like, that's what he does. Like, um, he's a very good player. He's uh, able to do a lot of things on the floor. But at the same time, one of the things that makes him really effective is that he's a smart gambler. He makes opportunities happen because he will step in for example as the third defender on uh, uh you know a trap along the uh the half court line and uh and take a charge you know that's something that only Kyle will make that kind of play 
because he's gambling, completely out of position. But, you know, Kyle comes up with a – he wins a lot of those bets, so you let him do it. Having said that, though, it felt very much tonight like when Kyle was running the offense that he was, for the most part, just trying to gamble and make things happen and force the issue and force referees to bail him out and call him fouls. And, you know, that's just not a great time. This is not a great way for the offense to run. Now, granted, the Heat played great defense, great, great defense against both Pascal and, you know, the rest of the team. And so someone needed to, like, I don't know, at least create some sort of commotion. But I, I don't know. To me, it was a little jarring to watch Kyle force the offense when in the last couple of uh, weeks when he's been out, the Raptors have actually run a team system, and it's worked quite well. You know, I thought Gasol had a lot more of the ball in his hands. He definitely made a lot more control and decisions happen. And, you know, I'm not saying that the offense should run through Gasol all the time. I'm just saying that, like, you know, there was definitely a good thing happening there with Gasol, who would routinely get nine assists or, you know, five assists, six assists. You know, just uh, moving the ball from side to side, um, creating pick and rolls, and just making the offense sort of function as a team. And today it felt very much like Kyle was trying to force it on his own, which, again, this is his first game back, man. I'm not trying to knock him whatsoever. It was a difficult game. It's a difficult scenario. You want your starter to step up. Pascal didn't do that. And so it fell on to Kyle to do something, and he did the best he could in limited circumstances, and the result was 2 of 18. Um, really, though, the, the the thing that with Kyle that kind of knocked the rest of the team out of rhythm is that you got Norman Powell going back to the bench, um, which, okay, you know, so he still comes in as a sixth man. He stands up playing 34 minutes, including almost all of the fourth quarter and definitely all of overtime. But, however, you know, there's an effect there. Like, first off, Norm has to get his offense off the bench. And today he was very good, like really, really good, 23 points uh, in 34 minutes for Norman Powell. It's it's nice to see him maintain his rhythm. But the downside is that a guy like OJ Anobi suddenly is in closing games and is only playing 21 minutes and really wasn't anywhere to be found in the fourth quarter or overtime. Now, granted, that's Nick Nurse making a call there because he likes Fred and Kyle together, and then uh, Norman Powell was playing well offensively and really carrying the team offensively. And so he played the three. And so at that point, what are you going to do? You're not going to bench Pascal. You're not going to bench Marcus All. So OG just gets a short on the stick. Even though I didn't think OG played poorly, like this is a fine game from OG. It wasn't it's not an exceptional game, but he wasn't involved that much. And uh, his defense, honestly, he did execute the defensive game plan, at least for what Nick Nurse asked for. But that that was a you know that that was an effect there. You look around at Hollis Jefferson. He only plays 17 minutes. Terrence Davis still ends up playing 15. Maybe you give, you know. Maybe you shave some. You, there was at least a thought that Terrence Davis wouldn't get any minutes with Kyle and Fred back in. Uh, they, you know, Davis still played a lot more too, which I think uh, helped create opportunities. Now Davis didn't necessarily uh, score in like you know he was what he had two points uh, off two free throws in 15 minutes, but um, you know he was still able to. I don't know, make some things happen defensively and also had one or two nice passes. I don't know. It, it wasn't the best 15-minute performance. What I'm trying to say is, though, like, it just felt like the rest of the team was off rhythm. Like, Fred, for example, I thought he was really effective when he was running with the bench unit all of a sudden because, um, you know, that at that point, Kyle was on the bench and Fred was able to just run the offense. And Fred has run the offense in, in, in Kyle's absence with both the starting lineup and with the bench lineup. And so it, it was nice to see Fred be able to, you know, spark the bench lineup. The Raptors were consistently able to generate comebacks off their bench. Um, the Raptors bench, not necessarily outplay the, the, the Heat bench because the Heat did get some pretty good production from Justice Winslow, who had 17 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists. And also Kelly Olenek, who had 16 points and 6 rebounds, although Kelly defensively was not there. Um, 
But, you know, I, I thought at least Fred, when he ran with the bench, was able to keep the offense going, and they were make, able to make good plays. And, you know, it's not like Fred couldn't produce as a starter either, but I, I felt it felt very more, much more like if he was able to just control the offense, the offense generally ran smoother than when it ran through Kyle. And, again, that's just understandable. Kyle just came back from an injury. He, you know, he's a time off and everything like that. The rest of the team had, had, had gelled. The rest of the team had found, uh, you know, chemistry and a rhythm. And so, yeah, naturally, when you bring in a guy to play 41 minutes and take 18 shots, uh, you know, that's going to affect everyone else. Um, and so, you know, I, I thought it knocked people off their course. But uh, ultimately, these are problems that you could survive and you can weather uh, when Pascal steps up offensively. And I don't think Pascal uh, did that tonight. And then to my point earlier, when I opened the show by talking about Spo and why he's such a good coach, like – Spo had his team completely prepared and ready for Toronto to trap. Um, the Raptors had actually gotten a lot of press for trapping um, the opponent, uh, the opposing superstars. On you know, they did it to Kawhi, they did it to LeBron, they did it to uh, Luca, and you know, they did it to Dame Lillard, and it, it just became a thing. The Raptors have been shutting down these stars, and even uh, Joel Embiid. Part of the why he he got shut down was because he also got double teamed real hard. And so Spo had his team ready, and, and they definitely played like a team that prepared and practiced for the Raptors double-teaming Jimmy Butler and even occasionally Kendrick Nunn. Uh, and, you know, they just executed. Like, you look at Butler having 12 assists. A lot of that is just um, from start to finish, Miami was came prepared to play out of those traps. Um, their bigs were very good at either playing in space and making a play uh, or, you know, swinging the ball and finding the open shooter. But the amount of times guys like, you know, uh, Adebayo got to the rim for a, for a layup or uh, Myers Leonard popped open for three or um, Duncan Robinson popping threes. Like, a lot of that is just the extra tension on Butler and the, the heat making quick passes and being positioned well to beat the traps. And that and that's that's a good coach. That's what you want to see out of your coach because I felt like other t- coaches, maybe it's because they don't have as much continuity. Maybe it's whatever reason. But for the most part, other coaches have not been as prepared for Toronto's traps uh, as, as Miami has. So you got to, again, tip your hat to, to Spo. He really had his team uh, ready to execute. And you got to give a, you know, a lot of credit to uh, – you gotta give a lot of credit to Butler as well. He really executed their their game plan perfectly. So, it, it was just whatever. It was a tough night. Uh, I thought that he kind of just straight up outplayed the Raptors from start to finish. The Raptors had their moments, uh, made a couple of comebacks here and there, but they were just kind of chasing all game, chasing, chasing, chasing. And it wasn't like Miami popped out to this ridiculous lead. Um, the Raptors did a good job, at least, of not getting blown out. But at the same time, like, you know, the Raptors never seized control of the game. Uh, and even when they did momentarily go ahead or hit a big shot to swing the momentum, Miami would immediately respond with something. And uh, that's just that's just tough. And these nights happen. Um, the Raptors are now, what, 9-1 and one at Scotiabank Arena. Uh, it's unfortunate because it has been really nice to just never see a loss here. Uh, and so it's a little jarring. But, again, you just got to give a lot of credit to the Heat. And, you know, these things are just learning moments, right? Like, ultimately speaking, it's nothing against Kyle or, or Pascal or anybody's character or whatever. It's not against Nick Nurse. You know, it's, just because they lose, it doesn't mean they're they're terrible and it's just when they win, they're amazing. What this does, though, is I think you're, a lot, you're able to be a lot more honest about your team and you get to learn a lot more when you uh, lose some of these games and get out-schemed and get beat 
by some legitimately good teams with some very, very smart coaches and very talented players. And this way you can at least, you know, plan and see what you got to do as a team, where you got to improve, what you got to do differently, um, you know, and, and just spark some urgency in the team. Like, honestly, you don't learn anything when you go up by 40 against at halftime against the Jazz. Like, you just don't. You know, you, you don't, you, there's nothing to take away from that. Uh, and, and, you know, you can get complacent. You can get relaxed. Obviously, you play trash against Orlando, really. But the defense bails you out, so you survive there. Um, you know, you kind of need one of these games once in a while just to sort of, like, slap you in the face and just go, all right, we've got to shape up this, this, and this, and this. And really, if if you're if you're Nick Nurse, you gotta well one, you, you gotta make sure Pascal knows. I'm not sure you gotta talk to him, but you gotta make sure he knows. You cannot have games like this. You cannot approach games like this. You may be able to finish games because they're whatever they're trapping, they're neutralizing, they're doing whatever to you, and you're, you're maybe you're missing shots. That's okay. That's one thing. What you cannot do is just basically back away, and 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 that's something that Pascal needs to understand. Sorry about the bang in the background. Uh, they're putting this arena away so that they can uh, play hockey in here later. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, you just cannot allow him to m- turn this into a habit. It would be terrible. If this becomes a habit, for example, the Raptors as a playoff team um, will suffer. Because as we have learned, if you don't have uh, a number one guy who's able to create things in the playoffs, like, and and definitely someone who shrinks in the, in the spotlight, uh, you're just not going to go very far, period. Um, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest things that changed about the team when you went from DeRozan to Kawhi, you know. So um, hopefully you see Pascal become more aggressive and um, just just adopt a slightly different mentality in these tougher games. Again, he hasn't experienced this role before in this kind of stakes, so he needs to learn now in the regular season in these 82 practices so that in the playoffs it doesn't, you know, happen. But we'll keep a close eye on that. Uh, I think, you know, for Nick, he also needs to figure out how he's going to manage his rotation just a little bit just because I think the bigs are kind of, you know, whatever. Like, you, you know, Boucher is now the third uh, center. He's not going to play much unless it's garbage time. And that's okay because you have Serge and you have Mark, and those two guys are good. Um, so that's okay. And you know what Fred's going to do. And, and sorry, you know what Pascal's going to do. Really, it's just about the backcourt right now, the minutes. How do you get the most production from uh, Norm, from from Kyle, from from Fred, and even from a guy like Terrence Davis. You know, what are the combinations that work? Um, you know, what are the plays that work for the specific backwards out there? And how do you balance the offense? And they're all smart guys. They'll, they'll figure it out. That's that's something to figure out. And also, like, I don't know, man. If you're Nick, you might also have to double think. Like, hey, am I going to trap every single guard out there? Because I don't know. Maybe if you don't trap Jimmy Butler to start the game, Maybe he goes off for a little bit. Maybe he goes off for 30. But maybe the rest of the team doesn't get into a rhythm. You know, these are things that you can second guess after the game. And it's not fair to me, for me to do that. I'm not criticizing for him that. But it's just something you just wonder. You know what I mean? Like, am I going to become predictable in terms of how I defend some of these guys? Because I think what has made the Raptors really good and part of why the Raptors um, defensively have been really good is that Nick has been really unpredictable. You don't, you just don't know. Maybe he'll play a triangle in two. You just have no idea what he's going to do from moment to moment. Um, and I think that's you know, been a benefit to the Raptors. I think in this case, the Heat definitely came in prepared, definitely came in expecting Jimmy Butler. They got doubled. And uh, they were able to leverage that for open shots pretty much all night. So uh, these are just things to think about. But ultimately, it's a loss. Whatever happens, and the Raptors got to pick up the pieces and uh, play against Houston, which is going to be real tough on Thursday. So we'll see how that goes. In terms of your three stars tonight, I'm giving the first star to 
I'm giving the first start to Norman Powell. 23 points, 8 rebounds, an assist, a steal. 8 of 14 from the field, 4 of 8 from deep, including two threes, one from each corner in the end of the fourth fourth quarter that almost, almost, almost gave the Raptors an advantage. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler immediately comes back and draws a foul and it splits a pair of free throws. Uh, and so that was tough. And so the, the game went to overtime. But, you know, Norm stepped up. Uh, he had a layup in overtime as well. I'm not sure if he needed to get more of the offense or have basically more control of the offense in overtime because I'm not sure he's as effective on the ball as he is for playing off the ball. But, you know, there's a case to be made. It's not like anyone else had a you know had much going for them. I wouldn't have minded seeing Powell take more control of the offense, but realistically that's not his role. His role is to finish, not to create. But, you know, Norm today was great, man. 34 points, 23 points – or 33 – 34 minutes, 23 points, That's uh, and eight rebounds, too, which is uh, pretty good for Norm these days. Uh, you know, if Norm can maintain this rhythm off the bench, too, that'd be amazing, amazing, amazing. Second star, I'm giving that to Fred Van Vliet. I thought uh, he was solid. Um, 19 points in 43 minutes. 5 of 16 shooting is not the prettiest, but uh, got to the line for seven free throw attempts. Uh, had six assists, got three steals. You know, Fred was okay. He was okay. Like, he wasn't his best game. He, we've seen him play better games, but he was still productive throughout. He's, he still took good shots for the most part, kept the offense running for the most part. You know, even with the assists, even though he only had six to Kyle Lowry's 11, I actually felt like Fred ran the offense better, weirdly enough. So, he has a second start. And the third start for me is Serge Ibaka, 13 points, nine rebounds, four of eight shooting from the field, two of three from deep, 22 minutes. You know, he gave the Raptors a spark in the second half there. I, I'm not worried about Serge whatsoever. Like, I don't think he's going to disrupt anyone's rhythm. Um, you know, he's obviously going to knock Boucher to the bench, but Serge is good. Like, he really is really good, and he's very productive. Uh, he was able to hit some jumpers today, which is nice to see. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, him and Fred have a bit of chemistry now. I like that. And when you have Serge and Norma scores off the bench, if, the, if both those guys are going, you're probably going to win most of those games. It's just the starting five wasn't working well tonight. So those are your three stars. Uh, I mean, in, in terms of your KFC bucket of the game, this this is going to be real tough. This is going to be real tough because uh, there weren't a lot of great uh, bits of offense there. So um, I'm going to give it to Surge on a putback. So I forget who stepped to the free throw line. Maybe it was Rondé. Yeah, I was thinking it was Rondé. He, uh, he, he came short on a free throw. And Norm jumped into the lane, got the rebound. He was fighting with, like, three guys on the Heat. And you know the Heat are just, like, tough SOBs. And they're just going to swarm and be physical. And Serge wrestled the ball away from the three of them, like, swung his elbows around. Um, and, uh, you know, he got – what he ultimately got fouled by Olenek. So, I mean, oh, man, this is really a character – a reflection of the game. The KFC bucket of the game is is, uh, is getting fouled by Serge. But, honestly, I, I thought that was a nice play by Serge. I thought that was going to be a momentum turner, but it felt like I think Miami hit a shot right after that. I think Winslow or something. So, it was not necessarily the momentum uh, turner it could have been. But, hey, man, listen, uh, <laughs> this is a tough night. The Raptors shot 38% from the field and 11% – or uh, 11 of 43, which was 26%. Uh, from the three-point arc. So, you know, there's not a lot of great baskets to pick from. Uh, and then in terms of your Gerald Henderson Award, that's got to go. It's got to go to Duncan Robinson. This I was watching this guy shoot before the game. Yo, this guy is – he can definitely shoot. 
that he was really stroking it. And really, he got so hot, and he shot 6-9 from deep and 8-11 from the field. But he got so hot that he started being effective as a backdoor cutter just because the Raptors are sort of playing him to come up top and shoot the ball, and they're trying to deny him. And at those moments, you know, Robinson will make smart backdoor cuts, uh, you know, with a, a beat on the defense and able to get to the layup and everything like that. He was great today. He was really, really good. 22 points um, in 27 minutes for Duncan Robinson. He really did play like Tim Duncan plus um, – you know, David Robinson combined tonight. He was he was quite quite good, and he is a really nice shooter. And he's undrafted. Um, and you know the the Heat. You know they got him. You know he played up through the G League system. And the Heat honestly are very Raptors esque in, in the way they built the team. Uh, when you look at the roster and you look at the talent, it's not supposed to be as good as fifteen and five. But uh, they got a great coach. They got a great system. They got a great development staff. And these are the results. And then in terms of your Pat Patterson Award. Unfortunately, Pascal, that's got to go to you. I mean, it's not even the, the numbers aren't even that bad. Fifteen and twelve is not that bad, but realistically, man, Pascal just like didn't step up to the plate when the Raptors needed him to, and uh, I'm sure he'll do better in the future. So that does it for the podcast. Thanks for everyone for listening. Thanks for everyone for watching on YouTube. Uh, look out for Run It Back with me and Alex uh, coming out tomorrow on Wednesday. Uh, it might be more upbeat than this podcast. I think that's for sure. I definitely recorded it before this podcast, so uh, there was a lot more to be optimistic about. But, I mean, realistically, man, losses are going to happen. The Raptors are 15-5. and five. Maybe just, you know, if you, if you find yourself feeling really um, beat down by this loss, just like, I don't know, just search Toronto Raptors NBA Championship, look at a couple of photos, and then look at the ESPN uh, standings and just see, like, yeah, you know, things are okay. Things are okay. The Raptors got things to work on. They're not a perfect team. Uh, but that's why you you may have 82 practices. So thanks, for everyone, for listening. Thanks for watching on uh, the YouTube page um, on Yahoo Sports Canada. Look out for running back. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'll be back on Thursday to recap the Rockets game. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.